Hello and welcome again to Planet Product Owner. Checking out the art of this deal here, the art of being agile. I took some notes while listening to a previous episode and realized that there was a lot more content around the topic of socialized roadmaps that I neglected to follow up on. Um, and it's not necessarily that I neglected to follow up on it. It's just, you know, incrementally here, I'm trying to give you some information so that I can help you on your journey. And I hope that I am. I'm going to spend some time today recapping that episode kind of as a quick summary uh, to start out here, but that shouldn't take the place of all the content in that episode. So go back and check it out if you missed it for some additional context on today's topic of socialized roadmaps. Now, I know that most of the listeners are working in some kind of framework, some kind of scaled framework, like safe or less, or even in the process of moving the organization into a scaled agile framework or environment. So today I'm going to dive into the program Kanban, 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 whatever you call it. Talk about, talk about different uh, ways of saying this when you're working with a globally popular podcast. But anyway, um, how we make, I'm going to call it program Kanban just to kind of defend myself here and not lean over too much into my Southern draw. Uh, and how we make this thing come to life. That's the point. So we've got plenty of challenges with the program Kanban or Kanban. Um, and I'm going to get into a few of those challenges um, here in the first couple of segments of this of today's episode. But first, I want to recap some of the thoughts that I shared around the actual roadmaps themselves in that early, early episode where the audio was not so good and uh, all the dead space, you know, y'all remember those days. So I hammered the point that without a visible roadmap, folks assume that you don't have one. You don't have, you know, if you can't show your plan, if you can't show your work, folks assume you don't have that plan. You don't have that work. Uh, I also hammered in the point that it is your roadmap to socialize. And if you don't socialize it, somebody else will, particularly if it's sequenced well, particularly if it's thought out well, particularly if it's something that you're not giving yourself credit for doing a really jam up job of getting that sequence work there visible because visualizing the work is really important right i've talked about how we're actually reducing risk by having this visible roadmap but i'm not sure i described really how much risk we're really reducing by having it and yeah you can interchange the term roadmap with priorities if you wish so this program kanban is all about setting and managing expectations just like pretty much everything else we do in our agile world here we've got great intentions by putting all this stuff together and putting it on the board of our choosing like jira or azure devops or whatever your tool of choice is but i've seen organizations struggle with sometimes struggle with getting it just making it visible right but a lot of time that's not where they really run into the bulk of their challenges um it's the struggle here or the challenge from with how to get it from left to right, meaning like through the phases of the Agile development life cycle. So today I want to give you a few tips and thinking patterns around how to safely transition these items, safely transition, huh? uh, safely transition these items through the program Kanban and give you some ideas around how to not just list them out there and make them visible, which is really what not, not necessarily what I'm going to be talking with you about today, but really about how to uh, get them done and how to make these transitions work a little bit better for you. So um, getting them done, 
you know, that's kind of the word of the day here, maybe in a little foreshadowing for a little bit later. But before we get in the next segment, um, I do want to reflect on the season of giving a little bit and give back to you, since you have so generously given to me by not only sharing this uh, podcast and providing great feedback and, of course, donating to the Feed Scott Fund through my Venmo, which I give to you in the description of the podcast here. No obligation, but if you feel led, I would, you know, continue to appreciate that. But I want to give you the gift of 25% off of your order for a limited time at JustCoffeeTea.com. That's J-E-S-T, CoffeeTea.com for the best in the coffee and tea products that you're going to get. I mentioned a promo code. I think it was Product PO in a previous episode. Guess what, kids? We got our own promo code now. It's Planet PO, all one word. Punch that in for a limited time. You're going to be able to get your 25% off in that coffee and tea. Any of those products delivered straight to your door. Um, coming soon to me is the uh, Cowboy Blend and the Whiskey Barrel Aged Coffee. I can't wait to try that. So, JustCoffeeTea.com. Use the promo code Planet PO. Let them know you heard it here for 25% off for a limited time. So stick around and we're going to get to the next segment. Kanban, Kanban, whatever. So the program, <laughs> the program Kanban, Kanban, as described in the Safe Guidance Online, and yeah, I'll be citing that a little bit today um, as we go through uh, some of the thinking patterns around uh, transitioning these items and what it looks like. Um, it gives you some ideas around the lanes that we have to manage the work. And so when you think about the lanes, you're thinking about a workflow and any kind of workflow that you think of, uh, you know, pretty much has a lot of the same attributes, you know, generally speaking, when you think of a workflow, well, what are you talking about? So we have some kind of start starting point, right? And then we have some kind of work that has to be done in between. And then we have some end point and typically in a workflow, there's a transition out of, you know, step one to step two to step three. So the transition of the items is usually where we hit our roadblock because we get the idea around the lanes and what to call those because we're really breaking down a workflow. So uh, what I mean by that and is that moving the items from left to right. So you kind of understand what I mean when I say from left to right now what I'm referring to. Um, now I'm not going to be getting into feature readiness or work initiative readiness and qualification and things like that so much today and how that can be implemented in this episode. But if you're interested in that kind of thing, I'm interested in an email from you, Scott at planetproductowner.org. So if we look at the framework and yeah, I'm going to cite the website again. So we see that there are swim lanes for the work to essentially travel through like as a guide. So that's kind of the science part. You can go check that out yourself and just duplicate it or implement the same thing they have for you here as, as, as given in the guidance on the Scaled Agile Framework um, site. Um, many of you have done that, and you just kind of replicate or duplicate what they have out here, which is cool. I'm not being critical of what they have, for sure. Um, there's no sense in reinventing the wheel, right? And I think that the lanes that they describe here are just fine because it does emulate um, the life cycle that we're trying to get to, and it breaks it down in a workflow. But that's not really where we have the trouble spots so much. We don't have a great deal of debate on whether or not the feature should emulate that process of workflow, um, of ideation, elaboration, construction, and transition. Um, 
getting those lanes together to represent this life cycle of funnel, analyzing, backlog, implementing, validating, deploying, release, and done, all of that stuff, you know, they're right, right? I mean, and right is relative. And in this case, they're right, meaning that this natural progression, getting it through the life cycle makes sense to me and making it visible out there. So that's not really where we have a whole lot of debate a lot of times. Where we kind of have the debate, um, well, I guess before we go into that, one thing that does come to mind is we tend to over-process this thing, first of all, like these lanes that we're moving moving through. You know, we got to get through the seven layers of the candy cane forest to be able to reach our destination, right? And so when we start with ideation or some swim lane there that might represent the ideation, like in the case of the funnel, well... If we were if we over process these lanes once they leave from there, um, sometimes that creates more handoffs for us. So um, I know I'm just ready to get to the to the deal, but this jumped into my mind. It's like, hey, here we go. So what we want to protect against is um, it, putting these lanes up in a way that creates more handoffs for us. And you can go check out Hands Off the Handoffs episode for more information. But don't over-process these lanes. Keep that simple, right? Uh, so let's get back to the trouble spot here, all right? And the trouble spot is how they move from left to right, okay? And so sometimes we just have a lot of subjectivity going into that. We consider moving the work items from left to right um, just because... You know, we think it's we think it's ready or we think it can go like that's never happened before to you. Right. But example with this, like, what are you talking about, Scott? OK, so sometimes, you know, for example, somebody believes that since we've got a vague understanding of what we're trying to get done, we're OK to just move this initiative or this feature or this work card. Right. Or this card or whatever it is you're using. We can just move this over from the left lane to the next lane to the right and just start moving it, right? Um, or we decide, hey, you know, the sponsors are looking for this to get done, so let's show some progress and move these cards. <laughs> or even worse, somebody just wants to put it in their status report that we're getting traction on it and ignore the facts of the case, which is we really haven't done anything in these lanes and we haven't respected you know, the body of work or the level of effort that needs to take place in each of these lanes to qualify that work, to move it, you know, to the next step in this workflow, okay? And so if we're just throwing it out there because we want to give a status update, well, we're just turning that into a dog and pony show, right? And we're reverting to our old ways and our old habits of lying. And yeah, that's a brutal way to describe it, but that's true, you know, we're lying to the organization, we're lying to ourselves, we're lying to everybody if we just simply drag and drop cards from left to right, kind of arbitrarily with a vague understanding of why we're moving them, okay? Other things that are going to happen to these work items in their life cycle is that, you know, we leave it in one lane and we overanalyze this thing, right, to the point where it just stays in that lane and maybe it gets in, gets forgotten and... You know, maybe there's a good reason for it staying in the lane. So a couple of reasons I could think that this work item is staying in a lane and not getting any movement or traction or any progression through the workflow is, 
you know, it gets, it gets forgotten because maybe somebody is not paying enough attention to it. And so, well, if we're not paying enough attention to a work item, there's a couple of reasons why I can think that's the case. One is you haven't established any whip limits. Whoa, whip limit. What are you talking about? You hadn't talked about that in a while. Yeah, so, you know, let's limit the work that we have here in progress, right? So that we are able to sufficiently provide the needed attention on this work item so we can successfully move it from one side to the other. Um, the other reason is maybe the author or the owner or the people who are kind of looking over this work item once it gets into that workflow, maybe they stop kind of paying attention to it because not just maybe they're overanalyzing it, you know, whatever, but maybe they're struggling with when to move it. Like what what does it mean? When when can I move this thing? And so those who have been with me for a while, um, since the early days, man, that's <laughs> what a journey, right? I'm sorry. Let's get back to the topic here. We've been talking about kind of the program Kanban or program Kanban workflow and how we're going through this. And y'all remember when I walked you through the concept of some basic story writing fundamentals where, uh, you know, we have kind of this precondition, a trigger or set of actions that take place in some post condition. And, you know, some of those techniques in order to meet conditions of satisfaction or definition of done, I think was was helpful to a lot of you based on the feedback. And, you know, when we talk about qualifying actors and things like that, which, um, you know, it, it just kind of helps put some parameters around and set some expectations, again, around the work item that we're, that we're wanting to do. And so when you think about this Kanban, right, this is a workflow. It's like a workflow, right? Um, you think about the approach um, and how you want to approach this, you know, the workflow itself is is really irrelevant at this point because the lanes, the lanes that we've created represent some workflow to get us from here to there, right? And the whole idea is that we want to have some kind of starting point, some action to take, and some ending point, right? And that is true for each of those lanes. So why don't we consider that when we're moving the cards or the work items through the process flow, right? So... We want to make sure that we're getting the most out of what we're doing without losing the perspective that in the Agile environment, our job is to explore, define, discover, solve for, whatever, the unknown, right? And so I know this kind of painting with a broad brush sometimes, but I think what we need here is some kind of precondition, some kind of trigger, or even multiple triggers, right? And some post-condition before we can make a work item eligible to move to the next step. So... I'm kind of describing to you basically like a story, right? And no, not really a user story, but think of it as a feature story or something or a work item story or an initiative story that's kind of generalized for any work item. Like like put a blanket over this and say any work item that passes through this workflow, you know, it, it needs to have some precondition, trigger, postcondition, but it also has to have some kind of definition of done, or some condition, uh, you know, conditions of satisfaction, right? In order to test the outcome of the work that was performed in each of these lanes of your workflow. So, again, citing the uh, citing the safe guidance here and any of the other, you know, items that you might want to get to. 
right? And uh, workflow and how you represent work on a board and make it visible, which is really critical for us all. If we look at it in, uh, in the safe guidance, you know, uh, we've got some clues here, you know, on kind of how they lay this out and how they set it up for us. And remember, it's not so much about the debate of how these workflow lanes are set up. That's not really what's up for debate. It's really about moving it, right? So let's go check it out and see. First thing, we're again talking about the workflow. And I'm going to just describe this to you that and and kind of the way that it reads here on the site that this program Kanban facilitates the flow of features through the continuous delivery pipeline. And so um, it does give examples of some of the policies around that and the WIP limits governing each state. Now, we haven't talked about WIP limits on here, and we will at some point. But So we start in the funnel, and it says, all your big ideas are welcome here. Yay. We get all the big ideas thrown up into the funnel, right? And maybe we can have as many ideas as we want to, but leaving there and going to the analyzing lane, that's where, you know, we got to have some kind of qualification there. So again, I'm going to go back to it, and I'm not going to give you many specifics here, but I'm going to give you some. When the site gives us this concept of a benefit hypothesis and acceptance criteria for this work item, this initiative, this feature, however we're going to call that, however you call it in your organization, really doesn't matter to me. Um, you know, it also says, hey, this is where we're going to calculate wischief to get us our priority. And it doesn't say in here, hey, team, go in there and game the system of wischief so that you can get your work done. <laughs> that does happen. All right, and so then we're talking about WIP Limited here. So we're saying that, you know, while we're analyzing it, we want to put some kind of limit on how many of these work items that we can place into this lane or into this column because we want to make sure that we're focusing on it, right? And we want to make sure we're not getting overwhelmed. We don't want to stop and start. Um, when we go into the backlog and we move from left to right, right, it says features approved by product management. Yeah, we got some features approved so we can keep going and we're continually prioritizing using the wish shift, right? Or using some kind of prioritization tool. Doesn't matter. Um, when we move even further to the right, we're talking about implementing, right? Well, the teams are really defining this at that point. The features are decomposed into stories. Now, I would typically have stories that are, you know, or, or have the feature decomposed into some level of stories before we get to the implementing piece, but that's just me. Uh, more to come on that. And then we go on through the workflow, right? And so you get the idea of what I'm talking about here, of moving this from left to right. And the guidance online gives you some detail around, or some ideas around the policies of what these lanes look like. Um, I think the m most important thing here for you to remember is, and I'm going to give you a couple examples now in Scott's world, right? <laughs> kind of what I've what I like to see here is that the word qualified is important to me. And you've heard me talk about the word qualified before when we talk about actors or user stories, right? We want to qualify them. And so when we're talking about the funnel, I want this to have a predefined entry state and I want it to have a predefined exit state because that's the, you know, the more qualified you make, the exit criteria, I mean, a lot of you are testers and you know what I mean when I say exit criteria. 
I want to know what the exit criteria is for each step of my workflow. All right. Bam. There it is. So some of you are like hitting pause. You're stopping the episode now and you're done. Please don't miss the last segment. Um, don't turn me off yet. Because some of you just, the light came on. And it's like, wait a minute. He, he means that in order for us to get to this next lane, we need some entry criteria and we need some exit criteria for it to leave. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, and a lot of times you don't even need the entry criteria if your exit criteria is put together properly, right? And I say properly, there's no real one way to do it. This is a thinking pattern for you, right? But, uh, yeah, it's a definition of done, right? It's a definition of done for each of the steps in the workflow. Each of these steps, we got, we got a precondition. Hmm, what's the precondition? Well, somebody wrote down on a paper towel while they were having lunch with a client the other night that they said they wanted to see this thing happen. And, you know, the y'all remember the thing, the, the uh, dancing blue snowflake that spins three times when we click on it, right? Well, you know, when that idea hits the funnel, we want to qualify it. You know, things like, hey, what needles do we think we're going to move? Do we have a business case for this? If we're using a third party, do we have some vendor candidates here? Have we done some initial research, right? What is our measure of success? So I'm going to get you started with that one, and then I'm not going to give you any more detail or any more specifics on each of these lanes and how I have defined them in the past and continue to find them and refine even my define I've refined over the years of each of these lanes. More to come on that. But the idea is you, again, want to have some entry or exit, at least exit criteria for each of the lanes here that are represented in the program Kanban. And that's going to help you qualify this work a little bit better. And you're going to help, help yourself setting and managing expectations more clearly as you go through. I hope that makes sense today, and I hope that helps you today. So I want to, I want you to stick around for the final segment today so we can kind of clean this one up, summarize it, and get us off of this crazy, crazy planet, okay? So I'm shooting straight from the hip at this point. Um, I think the, the main thing that I want you to take away from today's episode is that uh, the thinking patterns around how you move work from left to right should always consider some entry and exit criteria. And when we think of exit criteria, it's very similar to what we call a definition of done. And I think that any workflow, um, you know, as we're progressing through that, I think that's something to take into consideration and see if that helps you out. Talk about it with your teams. Um, the one thing you want to really protect against and defend against is the way that your lanes are set up in that workflow to make sure you're defending against handoffs. So if you go back and you look at it and it's like, wait a minute, you know, because we added this lane or because we changed even the criteria on this lane uh, in order to exit from this lane or from this step in the workflow, we're creating a handoff and this is really causing us some trouble because I think the most important thing we got to remember when we are agile, when we are in that thinking pattern, when we were in that mindset is that we have a continuous elaboration and a continuous flow of work and a continual flow. And a continual flow can't happen if we over-process, <laughs> you know, a lot of the entry and exit criteria, right? And it can't help if we over-complicate, over you know, the way that we get it out of one lane or the other. Now, we certainly want it qualified, 
but we just don't want to overcomplicate it to the point where it's impossible to move it from one side to the other, you know. But the more we share and care about this and the more we socialize this, then the more comfortable we get product managers or project managers or sponsors or stakeholders or epic owners or feature writers or product owners or whoever it is that we're working with, right? We get them more and more comfortable with the criteria that we feel like uh, we like in order to get it from the left to the right. So uh, when we talk about moving from the left to the right too, just kind of a final thought here. Um, those of you who have been with me on this journey since the very beginning, and again, we're going into our fifth season here, Planet Product Owner. Um, you've been with me since the beginning. The outpouring of affection and uh, kindness is, is very generous of you guys, and I really appreciate that. And I have listened to you. If you remember, I told you that I was starting this journey really as a test to validate that, hey, maybe I can offer something out here. And the feedback and the support has been ginormous, okay? Um, so I'm very happy to announce that coming soon, um, we're taking Planet Product Owner to a new level. We are starting to, uh, step up the game a little bit here. Uh, many of you have asked for templates and downloads and workshops and, uh, you know, things like that, that maybe we can access a little bit more effectively. And so I'm very happy to put that together. So coming soon, just, uh, sit tight and hang out for that one. Um, 2023 is going to be a big year for this podcast. It's going to be a big year for you. And, uh, and I know that because you're becoming a better product owner or a better agile mindset or a better practitioner or better just in your job day to day, or just maybe even your thinking patterns are getting better by listening to some of this stuff and you're sharing it. And that's, what's most important is that you're sharing it and you're bouncing these ideas off of other people and we're able to collaborate and create and innovate and do all of these things just to make us better, to help us learn and understand how to work better. And remember, that's my definition of being agile. So, uh, so stay tuned on that. And until next time, have a safe and fun and lean journey, my friends. Mm-hmm.